Chapter ninety seven. Vani the Vampire. Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vali. Vani the Vampire. Volume two by thomas prescott press chapter ninety seven the admiral's preparation and the visit to deerbrook it was quite finally settled between the admiral and the bannerwards that he was to have the whole conducting of the marriage business and he even succeeded in getting a concession from flora bannerward that he might invite more than twenty guests as had at first been stipulated indeed she told him that he might ask forty if he pleased the admiral had asked for this enlargement of his of powers because he had received from the lawyer such a satisfactory list of people who were eligible to be invited that he found it extremely difficult to draw any individual's distinction, and accordingly he felt fully inclined as far as he was concerned to invite them all, which was a piece of liberality he scarcely expected Flora would accede to. When, however, he got leave to double the number, he considered that he was all right, and he said to Jack Pringle, to whom, as usual, he had got completely reconciled, I say, Jack, my boy, we'll have the whole ship's crew and no mistake, for at a wedding the more the merrier, you know. Aye, aye, sir, said Jack, that's true. I have not been married more than a dozen times myself at the outside, and I always took care to have lots of fun. A dozen times? Jack, you don't mean that? I rather think I does. You know, I was married at different ports of India twice, and then wasn't I married in Jamaki? And then after that, wasn't I married in the South Seas, in one of the friendly islands? A deuce deal too friendly, I should say. Why, confound you, Jack, you must have the impudence of the very devil. Yes, I believe ye I have. I look upon it that it is our impudence has got us on in the world. How dare you say are, you vagabond? But however, I won't quarrel with you now at any rate, for I expect you to dance a hornpipe at the wedding. But mind me now, Jack, I'm serious. I won't have any drunkenness. Well, it's rather a hard thing that a fellow can't get drunk at a wedding. But I suppose I must put up with that deadly injury, and do the best I can. And now, Admiral, as you have looked over that little affair of mine in going to the lawyers when you didn't want me, I'll make you a voluntary promise, and that is that I'll only take two bottles all the day long. Two bottles of what? Oh, run, of course. 
well that's moderate for as i have known you i think take about five of course i can't very well say anything to two so you may take that much jack for i really think you won't be much the worse of it the worse of it i should think not sir it rather strikes me that two bottles of rum wouldn't hurt a newborn baby it's just for all the world like milk you know it has no effect upon me and as far as being fond of drink goes i'd just as soon take pump water if it had a different taste and was a damn deal stronger well well jack that's a bargain you know so we need say nothing more about it i suppose there'll be a fiddle and all that sort of thing oh don't doubt that there shall be lots of fun then i'm your man i'll show them a thing or two that will make them open their eyes a bit and if so be as they want anything in the shape of a yarn i'm the proper sort of individual to give it to them i rather think and no mistake i'll tell them how you ran away once with a female savage after you with a long thing like a squirrel that she called a sphere and how you called to all the ship's crew to come and help you as if the very devil was at your heels jack very prudently did not wait for an answer to this for he was rather well aware that it was not the sort of thing that was exactly pleasing to the admiral who was just upon the point of course of getting into one of his rages which would have produced another quarrel only as a matter of course to end in another reconciliation the old man however was too well pleased with the unlimited commission he had to do as he pleased regarding the marriage affair to allow himself to be put much out of the way in the matter and he bent all his mind and energies towards the completion of that piece of business which he had in hand and which was certainly the most interesting to him that he had ever been permitted to engage in passing as he did almost the whole of his life upon the ocean he had never married and his affection for charles holland who was the only relative he had in the world was of that concentrated nature which is only to be found under such circumstances charles's mother had always had a large portion of the admiral's regards and when upon returning home once from a cruise of three years duration he found that she was dead and had left behind her an orphan child he at once avowed his intention of filling the place of a parent to it and that he had both in the spirit and the letter kept his word we know that charles holland was always most ready to admit perhaps the severest shock he ever experienced was when that letter purporting to be from charles but which was really the production of marchdale and varney was produced and which seemed at the first blush to imply a dishonorable breaking of his contract with flora and if anything could have increased his admiration of her 
it certainly was the generous and noble manner in which she repudiated that attempt to injure charles in her esteem and at once declared her belief that the letter was a forged document we may easily imagine then from these preceding circumstances that the marriage of charles with one whom he so entirely approved of was one of the most gratifying affairs in the old man's life and that he viewed it with an extraordinary interest as we have before stated he got possession for a month of the house on which he had fixed his fancy and an extremely handsome and commodious place it was it was arranged that after they had remained there for some time they should all move off to deerbrook together and as it was only in early infancy that the bannerworths had seen that estate they purposed paying it a visit before the marriage ceremony took place this was an idea of the old admiral's for he said truly enough you can't possibly know what state it is in till you go there and it may be necessary for all we know to do a great deal to it before it is fit for occupation apart from this consideration too it seemed likely enough that somebody might be in it for of late it had changed hands and for all they knew the bannerworth family might have to institute a suit at law for its recovery the distance was sufficient to make it a whole day's journey but it was a very pleasant one for they went in a travelling carriage replete with every accommodation and the road passed through one of the most fertile and picturesque counties of england being interspersed with hill and dale most charmingly and reminding the younger branches of the bannerworths of some of those delightful continental excursions which they once had the means of making but which for a long time they had not had an opportunity of enjoying it was towards the close of a day of great beauty for the season that they reached the village of deerbrook close to where the estate was situated and put up at the principal inn to which they were directed the circumstances under which the deerbrook property had been left for a long time had been such that there was likely to be some difficulty concerning it in fact it had been used by marmaduke bannerworth as a kind of security from time to time for his gambling debts so it was probable that hardly any one had had it long enough to trouble himself about rentals if we find any one said henry bannerworth in possession i shall not trouble them to pay anything for the use of the house they have had provided they quietly give up possession and leave the place in a decent state oh that of course they will do said charles holland and be too glad to escape arrears of rent but it would be no bad thing to ask the landlord of this house what is the state of the property no doubt he can not only let us know whether it be tenanted or not but if so what sort of people they are who occupy it 
This suggestion was agreed to, and when the landlord was summoned and the question put, he said, Oh, yes, I know the Deerbrook estate quite well. It is a very handsome little property and is at present occupied by a Mr. Jeremiah Shepherd, a Quaker, a very worthy gentleman indeed, I believe, but I suppose all Quakers are worthy people, because, you see, sir, they wear broad-brimmed hats and no collars to their coats. An excellent reason, said the Admiral, but I had a friend who did know something about Quakers, and he used to say that they had got such a reputation for honesty that they could afford to be rogues for the rest of their existence. Well, well, said Henry, we can but call upon him. Do you think that this would be a reasonable hour? Oh, yes, sir, said the landlord. He is sure to be home at this hour, if you have any business to transact with Mr. Shepherd. He is a very respectable man, sir, and as it is his own property that he lives upon, he is quite a gentleman and never wears anything but drab breeches and gaiters. Without waiting to enter into any further conversation with the landlord, who had such extraordinary reasons for his opinions, Henry and Charles and the Admiral, leaving the rest of the party at the inn, proceeded to Deerbrook Lodge, as it was called, and found as they approached it, that it exceeded in appearance their warmest anticipations. It was a substantial red-brick house of the Tudor style of architecture, and had that air of dignified and quiet repose about it, which a magnificent lawn of the greenest possible turf in the front always gives to a country mansion. The grounds, too, seemed to be extensive, and to take it, for all in all, the Bannerworth family had every reason to be well pleased with this first view that they got of their acquired property. You will have some trouble, said the Admiral, with the Quaker, you may depend. They are a race that hold fast to anything in the shape of pounds, shillings and pence, and are not very easy to be dealt with. Oh, the man may not be so absurd, I should think, said Charles. It can be proved that the estate was in the Bannerworth family for many years, and your possession, Henry, of the title deeds will set the question at rest. But see, what a stately-looking servant is coming in answer to the ring which I have just given to the bill. A footman most certainly having all the appearance of what is so frequently advertised for as a serious man-servant advanced to the gate, and in answer to the inquiry if Mr. Shepherd was within, he said, Yes, truly is he, but he liketh not to be disturbed, for he is at prayers, that is to say, at dinner, and is not accustomed to be disturbed thereat. I regret that we must disturb him, said Henry, 
for our business happens to be important, and we must positively see him. Upon this remonstrance, the servant unlocked the gate, and conducted them up a path by the side of the lawn which led to the house, and the more they saw of it, the more pleased they were with the many natural beauties with which it abounded, and Henry whispered to Charles, I am quite sure that Flora will be delighted with this place, for if I know anything of her taste, it will just suit it agreeably and comfortably, and I do sincerely hope that we shall be able to get possession without the disagreeable necessity of a lawsuit. They were ushered into a handsome apartment, and then told that Mr. Shepherd would be with them very shortly and they were not sorry to have a little leisure for studying the place before its reputed owner made his appearance i suppose said henry the best way will be at once to state that i am the owner of the place and upon what conditions i am willing to forego any claim that i might otherwise succeed in settling up for arrears of rental during the time that he has been here oh yes said charles you cannot be too explicit but hush here he comes and you will soon know what sort of an individual you have to deal with in this matter at this moment the door opened and mr shepherd the present ostensible possessor of the deerbrook estate and whose appearance spoke to the truth of the landlord's word made his appearance but as what he said was sufficiently important to deserve a new chapter we shall oblige him with one end of chapter ninety seven